keep it simple. People love simplicity. Don't try to capture every component of of that industry from, you know, sugar-free, dairy-free. Try to do one thing and do it well. Welcome to Hearts and Carts, the CPG podcast, the podcast about the people behind the products that are winning hearts and filling carts. This cast is for anyone with an interest in the world of consumer products. We're your hosts, Justin Osborne and Alex Hill, and our mission is to bring you weekly content that helps you be a better and more informed CPG professional. Ho, ho, hearts and carts. Welcome back to another episode, a special holiday edition. Alex, who do we have today? Today, we're going to be chatting with Dean Packingham. He's the founder and CEO of Mike and Jen's Hot Cocoa. Mike and Jen's Hot Cocoa is an awesome story. It's been in the market for just about a decade uh, this month. And and it's a family business that's built up from kind of the, the Duluth area all the way to over a thousand stores. Dean's goal was to craft the world's finest hot cocoa and there's a lot of people out there who would tell you he has been successful in doing so so we're going to move into the conversation with dean don't forget to like subscribe follow us on our various social media platforms and uh and enjoy pour yourself a nice glass of hot cocoa and let's get into our interview hey dean Hey, how are you guys? Good. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for asking me to be on. Of course. Well, of course. How's uh, how's the weather up there in Duluth? It is not good unless you like hot cocoa. <laughs> then it then it's <laughs> Yeah, it's good for business. It's, good. it's cocoa weather. It's, it's cocoa weather. It's, real, it's spectacular cocoa weather for sure. It's uh yeah, winter storm warnings and uh you know, not too much snow with this storm, but we just had 30 inches of snow uh, about wow. a week ago. So yeah, definitely hot chocolate weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and Justin were talking. It's like it's one of the rare times when we talk to people from Minnesota that, as Canadians, we get to ask how it's going up there. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think if you're in Minnesota, I think that's like that's as close to being in Canada as you can be and not be in Canada. <laughs> it totally is. Yeah, it's pretty much pretty much Canada. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very and and I'm on uh the west coast of Canada. I'm out uh, in Vancouver area and we usually don't get much snow, kind of like Seattle, right? Rains oh, all the time. Yes. But we got a ton of snow this past week. I was just saying to Alex and we are not built for the snow because we don't have like enough plows and we don't have I didn't wow. have a I didn't have a shovel. So I had to borrow my neighbor's oh shovel to shovel my driveway. There's like a foot of snow in there. It's like, as a Canadian, wow. I'm embarrassed that I didn't have a shovel, but it's, uh, you know, is what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we definitely yeah. have uh, lots of shovels here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. And I think, you know, the timing of, of this recording is almost perfect. So we're talking about you know, cocoa weather and you know, time of the year that you would consume your product. And it's like, Christmas is around the corner here and what better time to talk about a product like this. So, so let me introduce you. We have Dean Packingham on the show today, who is the CEO of Mike and Jen's Hot Cocoa. So it is a all natural cocoa product that is located in over a thousand stores across the US, notably uh, just, uh, I believe, regionally with Costco right now was launched and just continuing to expand like crazy. And, and I just did some research on the product, uh, on the story behind the product, and just fell in love with the branding, the why, the the conceptually how the story was outlined on the website, uh, and just really wanted to chat with you about what you're building and, and hear from you on on your interesting journey. It's taken a few different turns, it looks like, and you know we're talking about the weather, yeah. and I think we'll get into you know what you're doing pre this as a meteorologist and all of that. So I think with that, we'll we'll sort of throw it over to you to walk through what your life was like maybe pre-Coco, what, what you were up to. Absolutely. So before Coco, it was basically just living whatever, what I wanted to do since I was a child, which I was, I wanted to be a meteorologist. And I knew knew that since I was about five years old. And uh, mm. lo and behold, this whole Coco obsession uh, kind of <laughs> throws, throws that off a little bit. And so mm. now I'm forecasting, you know, how many marshmallows people are going to need as opposed <laughs> to like how much snow is going to fall. <laughs> yeah. 
Very interesting. And so as a young child, you just, I mean, I guess I loved the weatherman, I guess, as a kid too in that. But so you just knew that you wanted to be a meteorologist and and Absolutely. study the weather, be on TV. What was it? It was just all of it? Yeah, it was it was more behind the scenes. So yeah. what sparked me when I was when I was younger was my my grandfather would would tell this story about the tornado that came through the family farm back, um, you know, back in the olden days in the plains of the U.S. And uh, just hearing that story about, uh, you know, the tornadoes and then just imagining, you know, how incredible that was. And it, it just sparked everything in me. I would go through uh, all the career day things in school and I, I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this because I'm, I'm going to be a meteorologist. So, yeah. you know, they're trying to, you know, it, it kind of tries to, you know, guide you in a certain direction and of course meteorologist is never a choice on any of those uh, tests yeah. that you take but <laughs> so yeah it was all I ever wanted to do I did I did that for almost 27 years and uh then switch course as I fell in love with this interesting and it looks like it looks like over some of that that time in, in your career in meteorology you were kind of dabbling with entrepreneurial stuff with some websites it looks like you built up a number of different platforms travel platforms yeah very like it looks like you still have the disney disney blog so talk to us a little bit about that because i would that have been your first kind of foray into into taking your own kind of entrepreneurial initiative yeah so so in me was was this hidden entrepreneurship thing and while i had this safe you know career job you know i worked for the government and I had this safe career job, I still always had, you know, that inner entrepreneur in me. And uh, so I started a little travel website. I remember I spent $34 on a, a template uh, for this travel website and eventually, you know, became obsessed with that and grew that and eventually sold that website, um, started a couple other travel websites, you know, just this, just as a hobby. I was never really yeah. into gaming, but this kind of stuff, you know, that taking something from you know, a $34 template or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, seeing what you can do. Uh, yeah, that always interested me a lot. Very cool. Very and cool. You, as you pick up some of the skills that you need on website development, entrepreneurship, a bit of marketing, right. selling, right? So you kind of pick yep. up all those skills along the way before starting a company, which is sort of cool. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, everything was kind of learning along the way and uh, kind of, you know, learning sometimes the hard way, but 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 learning. So um, I, I fell in love with all of that stuff. Awesome. All right. And and so then you had the epiphany, epiphany occurred <laughs> where you wanted to start a Kogo company. So maybe walk us through the, the inspiration behind that and how this whole thing came to be. Absolutely. Well, it was a, a fairly simple inspiration. My daughter was nine at the time, Jen, Mike and Jen are my two kids. And uh, she was nine years old. She would come in every single day uh, from playing out in the snow. And it was post-divorce. I was looking for an, a project to keep keep my mind going and to do something fun with the kids. And I was going through so much hot chocolate that I, I was buying the huge canisters you know, at, at Sam's Club at the time. Mm -hmm. And one day I'm, I'm heating the milk up and I'm looking at the back and I could not believe what was in what was in the hot cocoa mix. And I was like, this is really simple. You know, I don't I don't know why partially hydrogenated soybean oil in powder form somehow is in the cocoa. But that kind of drew me back to a time when my grandma always had this huge container of uh, hot cocoa mix that she made herself. And it was just the, the, the dry milk. It was cocoa powder, sugar. And I think that was all this, all the ingredients that she used at the time. But we, every time we went over there, you know, she would make us hot cocoa out of this magic, you know, Tupperware container yeah. that she had. And so I told my daughter, I said, I said, Jen, we should make our own hot cocoa. And she's, you know, as a nine-year-old, she's like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> we, we should make the best in the world. And she's like, yeah. Then I found out it was OCD. And like for the next year of my life, I was going to do that. <laughs> so like all my spare time, I was trying to perfect hot cocoa mix. And that's just exactly how my brain works. <laughs> it, uh, it became, you know, kind of obsession with me. I was trying to solve a problem because I never liked the water-based mixes. I always thought yeah. they were really runny. And, uh, you know, I, I, I liked the convenience of it. And, uh, but I never liked any of the mixes that I found. So, yeah. So I did you start, around. start throwing the full scientific method at this thing? 
that... I did. Yeah. So yeah. As, as a scientist, yeah. I'm like, there's got to be a way to fix this. And uh, I'm going to do this, you know, completely, yeah. you know, just me and my kitchen. Uh, I thought I was going to solve this, you know, problem that existed for, for maybe others too. And uh, yeah, to date, I've, I've gone through over a hundred cocoa powders. I test every single one mm-hmm. that I come across because if I said I was going to make the best, I had to rule everything out. And mm-hmm. uh, so whole milk powder was kind of the solution uh, for uh, the hot cocoa mix, which, you know, you really do just need water for it. And my, part of my favorite thing when going to shows is that people argue with you that, that you must have added milk to it. And uh, I get to tell them, no, it was, it was water added. So that, that was a mission accomplished in that regard. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, sure. That makes, that makes sense. Cause you're, you're right. So I've had some of the, that just had water ones and they are a little bit watery and they don't have that like creamy texture that you want. Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Got it. Okay. So, so, so you, you've taken the science approach, you've invented this product, you've gone through a hundred different you know versions of it to make sure it's yeah. the, the best hot chocolate or hot cocoa ever. What now? What, what, what do you All do right. Now? Next it is dispersing this uh, to family and friends and then they're all raving about it, but I'm giving them free hot cocoa and you know, they're family <laughs> and they're friends. So they kind of got to be kind of nice to me. Yeah. So I wasn't even, you know, at that point I had tried, you know, hundreds of iterations of hot cocoa. And, you know, so it took me a long time, you know, going through all the friends and family and all of them raving about it. And, you know, but I'm like, okay, you're kind of biased. You have to tell me this because otherwise you won't get more. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and your family. So <laughs> that was, uh, so I had to go through all of that. Um, it wasn't until I started doing shows. Uh, you know, we started really simply, we would do little craft shows and uh, we haul all of our stuff on the weekend uh, to these shows. And eventually the shows got bigger to where there were, you know, thousands of people at the shows and we could uh, give samples to even more people. So it wasn't until I really, you know, got that kind of uh, feedback from from people at the big shows and I got to watch their faces as they tried it. That, that that's when it really, I was able to accept that people did like it. Yeah. That's always nice when you're sampling your product because it's, it, you can, you can tell people, people can lie to you, but you can tell right. by their face and their reaction, whether or not they actually <laughs> like the product or not. Like the, the words can be changed, but their, their immediate facial reaction is, is the proof I've found at least with shows and sampling. It is. Just before COVID, we did about 20,000 live samples in Minneapolis. And uh, so it was like, you know, show after show and just sample after sample. My favorite was a woman probably close to 90 years old. And she was at a show and we asked her if she wanted to try some. And she said, oh, no, I I don't drink hot hot cocoa. And uh, then she says, oh, let me give it a shot. And uh, so she tried it. She got the the sweetest little little girl <laughs> smile on her face. And she says, it brings me back to when I was a little girl. And that was mm. truly my favorite moment that I've ever had in a show. Yeah. That That's pretty so cool. It's that it, reaction. It, it is that type of product that does bring you back to your childhood, right? It's something like you, as yeah. you get older, you start, you drink uh, a lot of coffee or tea or, and you don't have the, you're, you're drinking it more to function, less about enjoyment right. a lot of times, right? <laughs> like versus like, you know, I watched the Santa Claus last night, the movie, so I'm feeling very festive. Oh, yes. So like, so yeah, like <laughs> hot cocoa definitely brings you back to that like childhood moment. So I could see someone having that right. reaction for sure. For sure. Yeah. And that's kind of how we designed our branding is, you know, and we our tagline is the taste that takes you back. And it's just, you know, takes you back to a simpler time where it was just really real ingredients. And it, it brought me back to when my grandma had this huge container. And so I kind of wanted to share that with others. That's awesome. So at what point did you decide, like, because you're doing the shows, like, obviously starting to get that feedback, probably becoming more confident in the product, but like, what, what was the, the, you know, the, the moment where it clicked and you were like, you know, I should be selling this, you know, to, to people because people need this product. Sure. Uh, so it was, I was, I was starting to make it in uh, a church kit church kitchen um you know so i could get like a 7 to 9 p.m on a monday but as a rotating shift worker the amount of times i could get into the church kitchen was was kind of few and far between and i was outpacing what i could you know make in the church kitchen then i would then i found a coffee shop that i could use after hours and uh, finding that the kitchen space was initially one of the hardest things and so we knew we had two choices at this point i brought my best friend amanda on who 
was also a meteorologist at the Weather Service. We knew we had two choices. We could either start our own facility, which, you know, has its own complexities, or we could start looking into contract manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And and so before you sort of uh, go down that road, I did want to ask about Amanda. So she was a meteorologist as well, one of your best friends. you know, why did you pick her as a partner? And then, you know, maybe talk because because sometimes, you know, working with your best friends isn't isn't the best or working with family isn't the best. And sometimes it works really well. It really depends right. on how the two people work together. So how did you decide that that she was the person you wanted to partner with? That's a huge question because um, you know, that was that was an initial concern. We were both we both both worked together at the weather service really well we worked you know for 15 years we were best friends we never fought and uh then lo and behold you know i i had gone through divorce she was going through divorce needed a place you know to to crash until she could find her own place so she's you know i said come come crash with the kids and i you know however long it takes whatever and uh she moved she moved in and then she saw this box of paperwork in my uh, living room Mm -hmm. And she says, what is this box of all this paperwork? And she's the ultimate organizer. She has spreadsheets of spreadsheets of spreadsheets. And she likes to organize things. And then like a couple of weeks later, it's reorganized in, a, in another way. So I said, that's all, that's all my paperwork for the cocoa company. And she's like, you got to be kidding. Can I organize this for you? And so she started to organize everything. And then she asked me how much it costs to make a bag of cocoa. And I looked at her like she was an alien. I'm like, I have no idea. You know, I just make this cocoa and hope it works out. And so she was, uh, I, I, I started to learn right away that, that this might be perfect. Yeah. Um, we are so far apart in Myers-Briggs scale. She's in one far corner and I'm in another far corner. And to date, after I brought her on and I gave her half the company, we've never fought. <laughs> and wow. it's really awesome. rare because we don't compete in each other's territories. I don't want anything to do with her spreadsheets. And she doesn't <laughs> want anything to do with doing stuff like this. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, going out to, um, you know, talk to people, sales, uh, you know, shipping stuff. That's not her. Um, that's not what she loves. She likes, you know, the numbers of forecasting. And uh, so it's, it's all perfect. You know, we've yeah. still never fought. I'm curious what your Myers-Briggs are. I am uh, INFP and she's okay. ESTJ. Got it. Got it. Cool. <laughs> Supposedly, one thing I read online was that that's like the perfect business combo, business partner combo. Um, so I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It, it's been great. So you started selling, uh, initially almost like out of a, out of a, like a mobile truck, right? Yeah. Initially we started selling just in our hometown here okay. on Western Lake Superior, uh, Duluth, Minnesota. We got up to about 18 stores and we were doing about 4,000 pounds of product at shows and and in the stores in our hometown. Um, It's at that moment that we decided we either have to, you know, do something we can't, you know, we either have to go find a co-packer or we have to, um, you know, find some kind of facility or just keep it as a hobby and keep it about the same. Um, Not too long after we bought a 50 year old truck converted it into what we called the cocoa mobile and <laughs> we use that as kind of publicity because only being a couple hours north of Minneapolis uh, we have an incredible amount of uh, tourism from from the Minneapolis St. Paul area mm-hmm. and so all the summer events and even the fall and uh, early winter events we were we were out with our truck and uh, we got a lot of publicity with that very cool yeah, I like I like the idea of that driving around. It's like an ice cream truck, but hot cocoa truck. It's kind of totally. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. In the summer, we would do frozen cocoa, uh, so cool. it was our iced drink. Uh, and then, mm. as you get into fall, then we would you know transition over to the hot cocoa. And yeah, uh, yeah so it was a lot of fun. Eventually, our truck broke down. It died. We couldn't find a, a motor mm. for a fifty-year-old <laughs> truck. Yeah. And uh, so we donated it to a, a local museum in town. But uh, and then our, then you know during COVID, you know we were we stopped you know doing the events, of course. And then mm-hmm. our wholesale took off at that point. Awesome. So even the first the, the first 18 stores you got in Duluth, right? Like, like how did you get those? Was that just you physically going into the store and, and having them try your product? Like, how do you actually even just start the retail journey? 
Sure. It started, it started one day when I was telling my story about how I became crazy obsessed with trying to perfect hot cocoa. I went into a store, a kitchen store in, in Duluth, and I was just telling the person who was working there. I had no idea it was the owner of the, the store. And she asked if, if I would bring some in for her to try. I brought some in for yeah. her. And uh, then she asked if I would ever consider putting it on the shelf because she would love to sell it. So she kind of walked me through the process of, you know, contacting people in the state um, in terms of licensing and such and uh, labeling requirements, things like that. So she walked me through that initial stage of it. Then I got a little boost of, you know, maybe I can, you know, get a few other stores. I started, you know, going to a few other stores and cold calling. And I, I quickly realized I really didn't like doing that. <laughs> it was like I got one <laughs> door like tough. shut in yeah. my face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got one door like shut in my face. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to, you know, not do that for a while. And eventually then other store owners just organically came to us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, from seeing us at shows and such and doing Facebook and Instagram and stuff that they would see us and ask if they could carry us. And it was initially was all really organic. Very cool. So then then you continue to expand. I'm, I'm guessing you you either hired a broker distributor or, you know, how did you grow from you're in 18 stores, you're doing a lot of sampling, but you know, then you start to expand rapidly. You're in I think, over a thousand stores now. So right. huge, huge jump there, right? <laughs> like, like walk us through how you did that and what that process was like. Sure. So we're, we're at about 2018 right now where Amanda and I are deciding, you know, do we want to continue with our jobs our career jobs, um, or or do we want to go all in and, cool. and do this? And uh, we both decided, you know, because I'd been doing rotating shift work and it was getting harder, 26 years of nights and everything, I was ready for a change. And uh, so we set this plan in motion. Um, we were going to live really small. We bought trailer homes across the street from each other in the same trailer yeah. park. And it's like two meteorologists in a trailer park in trailers. <laughs> I don't know what made me think that a tornado was not going to come through our trailer <laughs> park, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it worked out. We never had a tornado come through and uh, we lived in the same park. We paid our trailers off. We paid our old cars off and we had really nothing at stake. So I went all in, just gave it a shot. Cool. It was just before I was turning 50 and I'm like, if I don't do this now, I won't do it. And yeah, uh, yeah so that was kind of our first step of kind of going all in uh, with the business. So at that point, we're at 18 stores. We work, We start with a gift shop broker in Minneapolis, and that gets us over 200 stores more. Wow. And it, they were all gift and specialty shops, which were really, really important to our uh, initial growth. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, you started in the gift and specialty shop before moving into like traditional retail grocery stores. absolutely okay yeah and then what we would go to as many of those stores as we possibly could introduce ourselves to everybody who worked at the store that we came across got them to fall in love with you know the story the product and then they were our mouthpiece to go out and uh you know sell to people who came into their store and it was really really important for the first part of our our growth and you guys, you guys do direct to consumer as well on the website. Like when did that, was that before? Or is that more of a recent addition for you guys? We dabbled with it initially. So probably about 2019 or so we started to dabble with, you know, fulfilling ourselves and I'm boxing yeah. everything up in my living room. And, uh, you know, so it was kind of a, a bit slow to take off, but then at Christmas time, it was like your whole house is filled with boxes <laughs> and uh, shipping that out. Uh, we moved that to a fulfillment center uh, in Minneapolis. And uh, so now everything comes out of that fulfillment center and, and mm-hmm. largely cases and pallets uh, that we handle out of there. We moved actually everything in terms of individual sales over to Amazon. Uh, we took, yeah, we used to have a third party do it. We took it over ourselves this fall and it's been, it's been phenomenal for us. Awesome. Awesome. One I'm, one question I was curious about is just your process on packaging and branding. Like you've mentioned a little bit about it. I love the, I love the packaging. I do a lot of packaging in my work. So just curious oh, about you. how you guys approach it. And, and I don't know how many iterations you went through to get to where you're at, but I really like what you guys have done. I think it really conveys kind of this wholesome, comforting kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, curious, curious how you guys approach that. 
Thank you. Yeah, you know, our initial our initial um, packaging was fairly complex because we were doing you know dozens of bags every season. Um, so it was kind of complex where we, I was stamping bags, you know, mm. in a few spots. I was putting stickers on the front, stickers on the back. I had mm. uh, you know these little stamps created on a craft paper bag, cool. and uh, so it was, you know it was very. Um, by the time you're doing hundreds of those, you know, you're, you're preparing, you're sitting there in front of the TV at night, just stamping yeah. bags. And it was like, I think it was a seven step process to creating one bag. Um, so we not knew we had to do No, no, not, not <laughs> at all. And so we worked with the local creative company and uh, we sat down with them. We told them, you know, kind of our, our vibe and what we, what we wanted to convey. We went through iteration after iteration. We uh, eventually came upon the current one, which we fell in love with. And uh, so we knew kind of a color scheme, you know, that we wanted to go with, which was completely different than the natural uh, color, natural tones that yeah. uh, a lot of cocoa products use. Mm -hmm. So our goal was kind of to stand out with that white and the blue and uh, do something completely different. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I think it, I, I, that was the thing I noticed as well, is that it, it, it looks like breakthrough packaging, right? Like the type of packaging where you put it with all your competitors and it's the one that's that that pops so thank you so much yeah that, i appreciate that it's uh it does look really nice definitely something that stood out to me as well um and then so you're in specialty uh, and give stores but 200 stores and you start to expand into retail and eventually costco so maybe talk to me a little bit about what that was like i saw you got the i would call it i guess a, the surprise connection front cover <laughs> which is i mean that's pretty cool I've, I've paid for a lot of different connection ads over my career and i never got that for free so that, that's that's really exciting <laughs> that's 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 really exciting yeah. and I'm happy for you. so i'd love to hear more about how the uh how it's doing at costco how you got in there what that whole process was like and and how that's um helping out your business you bet so you know as you know you have some retailers which you're like okay i'm so perfect for them you go and you do the pitch and you're, you know, you're, you're just, you know, waiting because you think it's so perfect for them as well as you. And then you have the surprise, which Costco contacts you and says, we discovered you at a coffee shop and wow, we're wondering really? if you wanted to wow. uh, do a, do a one-store test in, uh, in Costco. And I'm like, okay, how does this just happen to fall on my head? You know, after yeah. like, I, I swear we had it, we had it on a vision board and it was like so far end of, end of the road that we, you know, had this on this vision board. We had like our, some of our, you know, longest term stuff was like Wegmans and Costco. Yeah. Uh, those were a couple of my real big goals. And to just randomly have, you know, Costco contact us um, through a local um, manager and ask if we would consider, uh, you know, bringing on a local test. And of course we said yes. And then we had to quickly <laughs> learn the whole Costco structure. And uh, we did the, a one store test 20 uh, last, last winter. And uh, initial commitment was about five pallets and they eventually uh, ended up doing 11 pallets uh, last winter at that one store. And uh, so then we were expanded to 13 uh, Costco locations this winter. And uh, it, <laughs> thankfully it's going really well. In fact, um, ordering wise, it's like sold out at like five or six of those, like two awesome. to three times, you know, between, you know, between their orders. So um, we've been really, really, really fortunate about that. Cause you never know obviously how it's going to go outside of your home market. And uh, so, so far, all of Minnesota and then the one store in Iowa, it's gone really well. Awesome. Yeah. Costco is a, is a, it's a big swing, I guess, is the way I would look at it. Right. <laughs> like it, like it can either go really well or, or really poorly, depending on what the sell right. is like. So exactly. it's great to hear. And then when it does go really well, like it did with your, with the one store location, then you expand into more and that goes really well and you expand into more and, and keep right. that ball rolling, which would be amazing. But that's, that's awesome yeah. that it just happened to a chance encounter at a coffee shop that just shows the power of like distribution and food service and being in the right place with your product at the right time. So I think it's exactly. It's, uh, and it was, it was really bizarre because we had just created this bag, which we thought would be perfect for Costco. Um, 
we had had some interest for food service and rather than making just like a food service bag, we, we kind of took a chance and we, you know, went with the full blown graphics and everything that could go into retail, but we had no, we had no, uh, real um you know retailers yet that that uh, were ready to carry that size or anything mm-hmm. and then lo and behold we were ready for food service and then this test came and crazy timing that's awesome yeah it's it was a, crazy it's a real testament to the product as well right like the fact i mean it sounds like a lot of your a lot of your distribution has come kind of that that way like someone sees it tries it contacts you gets yeah. gets the product in their shelf so yeah, it's, it's such a good way to, it's such a good way to go if it, if it, you know, like every time we've tried to kind of force something, um, it's maybe not the right fit. And it, even though at the time it seems, you know, really, really hard, um, but it, it turns out in the end, it just wasn't the time or, you know, it wasn't a right fit. And then these, you know, these things that come out of, that's what I love about doing this is you never know from day to day what's going to happen. Like, Costco just approaching you. I mean, I've talked to so many people and I, I know we're really lucky, you know, that's really, really mm-hmm. rare to have happen. And, uh, and then they asked us if we would, you know, consider doing uh, a storyline for the, the regional um, products uh, for Costco connection. And of course, you know, we said we would be, we would love to do that. And uh, we're preparing to, you know, view the the December edition, and then we look at the cover, and we're on the cover, and we're like, Unreal. "What just happened here?" <laughs> so cool, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> but it's those it's those random things that you just go with, and yeah, you just have to believe that there's some kind of plan along the way, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I like the thing like sometimes um, you make your own luck, right? Like you had a bag that worked for them already built. And you were in a yes. place that was clearly like an influential spot already on the, the food service. So, so like you had put these things together that just <laughs> right place, right time. Yes. But you were also set up to to go in there, which is really cool. I think it sounds like, like to Alex's point that a lot of a lot of the success has been sort of referral business or people trying your product. So I think that speaks to how amazing the, the product is in terms Thank of you. taste, value, all of that. But also, I think it speaks to like the community that you've built with your products. So I, I, you know, I wanted to know more about how you've done that, whether it's been through social or through in-person events, you've, you've built a lot of fans of your brand. It, it sounds like with, with, with all of this. So how did you go about doing that? You know, um, we, we've had, we've had people approach us in terms of, you know, you need to get more professional with your social media in terms of like, you know, you just have a lot of really high-end photography of just products in different positions and stuff. We, we still share, um, you know, the, the little gift store in uh, small towns, you know, across the upper Midwest and Great Lakes. We're, we're lucky enough in that regard where we can still do all kinds of shout outs all the time for all of these stores. And people love hearing, you know, their little community. They love seeing pictures of it in, in their, their small stores. And so we've really never forgotten, you know, that connection to the stores that help to build that uh, fan base. Uh, you know, we, we tend to see a lot of social media accounts that have gotten fairly impersonal, whether, you know, they're yeah. a beautiful mm-hmm. picture. And, but then you'll look at the picture and it's like got like seven, eight, you know, 10 uh, likes. And we can put out a, a random picture and, you know, get a hundred, couple hundred, you know, 300 on Instagram. And then on Facebook, yeah. you can have something go kind of viral. Um, cause people, you know, just, just keeping that connection, you know, with the, the simplicity yeah. of the product and, uh, connecting to, back to their community. I like that. Yeah. That that's, uh, I think even in personal social media accounts, we've gone the, the way of trying to make everything too perfect and losing that personal touch. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And of course people, especially, you know, supporting local and things like that, doing those shout outs, those, those smaller retailers, it, means the world to them i'm sure right and they become your advocates yeah, yeah. they right. love it and then they love to take pictures of the product in their store and we reshare that yeah and uh you know it's it's a family-owned product it's a um small business and you know so for us it really works to just continue to uh, have fun with it you know we yeah. still do it ourselves um amanda does facebook i do instagram we kind of take team that whole thing it's mm-hmm. just the two of us you know with the company so it uh 
doing everything ourselves as long as we possibly can. <laughs> yeah. And are, are the kids involved in the business at all? I was curious because of course they get the name. So they, they right. have that but, but, and, and they're, they're older now than when you started, of course, right. They're I guess adults now or, or close to adults. So are they involved in the right. business at all or, or are they just happy yeah, to have is, the name? When it, when we started, they were nine and 13 and okay, uh, they're so now yeah. 24 and 20. Okay. And, wow. uh, so they're both in college and, uh, you know, when it was before COVID, you know, they would, my son is in Minneapolis in, at uh, college, my daughter's in Duluth. And so any of the shows like on the weekends, my daughter would do in Duluth, but then COVID came. And then, so that all kind of went away. My son would do the shows with us in the, in the Minneapolis area. And, uh, so that was, that was pretty much the extent of it. Cause they're super busy with school. But uh, they're so proud of it. And, you know, when I picked the name, it was like I had to pick a name for going into this one store. And, but I knew I wanted a legacy product. I knew I wanted a product that was named after my kids, you know, something I could be proud of and uh, I could, you know, grow with them. And uh, I'm like, you know, it worked for Ben and Jerry's. And so, <laughs> so I just named yeah. it Mike and Jen's. I, I, you yeah. know, there was no like market that. research or anything. I just named it after them. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It worked for Ben and Jerry's. So <laughs> oh, that's the, I mean, that's and that's a, I'm sure an honor for your kids. Right. That's that's special to have something like that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. My favorite story, my daughter, when she was in middle school, uh, they were going around class and the teacher said, maybe tell us something about yourself that uh, that we we might not ever know. And so my daughter, you know, she's very shy and she says, well, I have my own business. And the teacher is <laughs> like, oh, that's so cute. You know, what what's what kind of business? And she goes, I make hot chocolate. You know, she's probably thinking you sell it at you know, like, or something. Yeah. <laughs> lemonade stand kind of idea, right? Right, totally yeah, lemonade yeah. stand. Yeah. <laughs> and um she said, oh, do you have a name for your business? And uh, my daughter said, yeah, Mike and Jen's. And the teacher's jaw dropped. She said, you're Jen? <laughs> she said, that's my favorite thing ever. My favorite hot chocolate I've ever had. I love it so much. I can't believe you're Jen. <laughs> she was like awesome. a celebrity in her own classroom, which was kind of fun. <laughs> well played. That's a, that's a good way into the teacher's teacher's heart right there. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That makes parent-teacher conferences a little bit more fun, doesn't it? It does, yes. <laughs> it's still so fun. That, that's awesome. So what, I guess, like, what are your, your takeaways from kind of expanding this business, right? From very, like, grassroots to now being in, you know, huge customers like like some like Costco from the business, biggest businesses <laughs> in the world right like like what have you sort of learned through that process sure well the, the big thing that Amanda and I have learned is we kind of for for most of this journey we've uh, believed strongly in simplicity of products mm-hmm. and I think you know especially in terms of people who who reach out to us who who ask for a dairy-free a sugar-free um, you know, several flavor iterations and such, you know, as a small business, you know, with two people running it. And even if we were a bit larger, I think there's there's enough market to do one thing and do it right. You know, we we have one flavor. We, we try to be the best original flavored hot cocoa on the market and uh, try to not get too bogged down in um, complicating it, uh, you know, all, all these different versions and such. So mm-hmm. we're, we're focused on just kind of building out our original flavor, hot cocoa, um, kind of, especially across the North, um, where, where the market is strong. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's kind of, it kind of mirrors the the product itself, right? Like simple ingredients and keep the business fairly simple as well. And don't, yeah. don't, uh, yeah, don't over, over, over complexify it. Another place we like to go on here is just to understand how people work. And, you know, you've, you've built this business and, and a number of others. So just curious a little bit about your kind of approach to managing priorities and, and, and how you kind of approach, you know, the days and the weeks to get the most out of them. Sure. Well, so one thing we do is we kind of, you know, we have this, this mantra of always staying two to three steps ahead. So in terms of whether, you know, we don't exactly know how our growth will, will take place, but we always try to learn, you know, when, when we didn't have a co-packer, we were trying to learn as much about co-packing as, as possible. So we're, we're always trying to stay a couple steps ahead in terms of learning. We've learned everything the hard way. 
Um, we've had the beauty of LinkedIn, um, where we've had this community of people who love helping each other. And it's the greatest, the greatest asset, I think, out there in terms of CPG. Um, so I've been able to rely on, on some people who've been there. And I've been also able to kind of uh, pay it forward uh, and learn some of the things like how do you create a UPC code? Had to learn all that myself. How do you find a co-packer who will actually call you back? That's all stuff <laughs> I've, I've kind of had to learn um, on my own. But uh, I, I think what I've learned is to be tenacious, to um, keep trying um, until you can... Um, find somebody who's the perfect fit. Um, yeah. We also strongly believe because we're two people, we have to get people who love our product and, and, and love us, you know, uh, that want that are in our corner. You know, if we, if yeah. we start to feel that they're, they don't have our best interest at heart, um, we have to, we have to have this whole network of people from our fulfillment center to our co-packer who believe in us enough uh, that they're strongly in our corner. So I think if you have any trepidation about somebody you're working with, um, it's time to reevaluate. And uh, we've had to do that a few times. Um, and thankfully now we've got an amazing group of people that we work with. So that, that really helps in terms of taking that stuff off your plate. You know, our co-packer orders the ingredients for our recipe. They, you know, we have to put purchase orders in and, you know, have to trust that they're, uh, you know, that they care enough uh, that they're doing their part of the, the process. And then, so what's what's next? So I know you've got on your your LinkedIn your next goal uh, in terms of in terms of Wegmans, right? But what what's next? What can we expect from from you in 2023, which is around the corner here? Like like where yeah. are you trying to take the brand? Specific retailers, regions, international, anything you can share? Absolutely. Um, we we really think that there's you know there there's a lot of pressure always to to go national. There's a couple of ways you know we can do this going forward. We can build out a, a big team and then um, you know go national. Um, but in terms of right now, uh, we're, we're you know kind of just focusing on you know the upper part of the U.S. You know especially. Uh, the Midwest through the Great Lakes, and then possibly progressing into the Northeast and the Northwest. Mm. Um, you know, the the Southern U.S. There is a there's a market there, but it's much smaller, of course, mm -hmm. with the the temperatures and such. We do license our product for Latin America, so it's actually <laughs> sold year round in Mexico, and uh, so that that's been a really really fun thing because in in Mexico, it's the third most consumed beverage outside of alcohol. It's, it's consumed year round. Yeah. yeah. But in the US, you know, there's been so much imagery and messaging around Christmas time uh, for hot cocoa. Yeah. And uh, so I'll have people tell me, I don't drink hot, hot things in the summer. I'm like, you drink coffee by the gallon. What are you talking <laughs> about? But yeah. it's, it's super ingrained that, you know, you, yeah. hot chocolate's only for Christmas time. So, yeah. Or, or for the cold. Uh, so I think just kind of growing the northern uh, part of the US right now. Awesome. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Right. Uh, and I didn't, and I didn't know that about Mexico. That's really cool to think about. And you're right. It is something, I guess it's marketing like anything else, right? I think of it around Christmas time, but totally. there is no reason I, I, to not have it in other times. Like I will drink <laughs> a hot coffee on the hottest day of the year. So, right. yeah, so yeah, you're right. Why, why limit it to that? Um, another question that we like to, to ask, you know, everybody that comes on the show is, what is a product out there that you really love? Love the product itself or what the brand is doing? It can be something you use or just like a, a marketing campaign you like. And it doesn't yeah. have to be in your category. It can be just sure. anything. I'm in love with Stuckies. <laughs> okay. Um, Stephanie Stucky on LinkedIn. Um, she shares so much about her journey. And, uh, you know, if you're, are you familiar at all with the Stuckies? I'm not. Okay. No. Uh, it is, it was a staple uh, of the initial, um, you know, interstate uh, road system in the U.S. Uh, where Stuckey's had these little roadside restaurants and gas stations. And uh, so, you know, growing up, I, you know, everybody, you know, especially had heard about Stuckey's, especially in the South, you know, Georgia into the uh, Southeastern U.S. It's a name that, uh, you know, had kind of started to go away. So she 
being a stucky she brought uh, her pecan log rolls back i you know uh, it's funny loved. as you said it i have <laughs> heard of the pecan log rolls i've seen this on linkedin actually oddly enough i've never tried it but i have seen the the log roll on linkedin oh yeah. my gosh yeah it's fantastic you know she shows you know she found this old pecan stand yeah. um that was that her grandfather used to use sepsis helda sell the pecans out of and uh it was you know grown amongst all the the trees and stuff but uh that's a story that really resonates with me that she's bringing this brand back and you get to see the whole process of her bringing that back very cool yeah awesome. i would, I would uh, i have seen that on on linkedin now that you mention it um but i I'm not familiar with the sort of the background of it, but I, that's something I'll have to look up for sure. It seems. Yeah. It's, it's very it's cool. It's a great story and she's a great spokesperson. Awesome. Well, we're at the last question. And the last question we'd like to ask people is if you were up on a soapbox and you had, let's call it 10 to 15 young professionals or, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs sitting in front of you and you were going to give them like one or two pieces of advice, what, what would you want them to, to take away? Absolutely. The, the first thing I always tell people is have the product that you, you're in love with, but don't don't necessarily just seek out a product to go to retail. Like I always tell people, you can go into any grocery store in the country, in Canada, in the U.S. You can go down, you can go blindfolded down any aisle. And I strongly still believe you could randomly grab a product and you could improve that product and you yeah. could create it. You could create the story about how you're creating that product. So you believe and you love the product first, not just pick a product, you know, to sell, but fall in love with your own product first. And, and then just really keep it simple um, in terms of, you know, uh, initially hiring, you know, people to do the stuff for you, learn it yourself. That's, that's been really, really important for me because I've learned uh, every process from, from hand manufacturing and sealing bags and stamping bags <laughs> yeah. to, um, you know, to working with uh, packaging companies who design the packaging and, uh, and then blend and fill the product. So kind of try to have your hands in, in every part of, along the way um, and keep it simple. People love simplicity. Don't try to capture every component of, of that industry from, um, you know, sugar-free, dairy-free, try yeah. to do one thing and do it well. <laughs> yeah. I think that one piece makes so much sense in terms of like, you know, you can't hire people to help you do things that you have. You can't effectively hire people to help you do things that you have no idea how to do yourself. Right. Like you exactly. need to. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very, very awesome. And then utilize LinkedIn as much as you possibly can. Yeah. I've never found anybody on there who didn't want to help. Yeah, that is a nice, you said it before as well, that that is a nice thing I've found in, in the CPG space, how, how willing people are to talk to you. I mean, like yourself right now talking to us, right? So um, it is it is nice to have that that community. And I love that line about like fall in love with your own products first. It's so, I guess, again, down the simple line, right? But it makes <laughs> just a ton of sense. Like, don't just look for something to launch, find something that you that you really love and then then work towards that. Um, very cool. Yeah, because I've seen it. You're like you can usually tell if somebody just, you know, has, has, has grabbed a product, you know, maybe from a manufacturer and, you know, is, is running with it to make money. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's saying a get rich quick thing, you know, yeah. we just started taking our first salary from this, this year. And it's, it's still like a third of what I, I made initially, but we learned to live really small, you know, just go all in. Yeah. If you can. yeah. I love that. It's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming thank on you and, and talking about your brand. It was great meeting you and love the brand. Um, you know, um, I'm glad that you were able to make the time, especially I know this is probably a busy week for you both per <laughs> personally and professionally, but a perfect time to talk about your product. And, and so I, I really do appreciate the time. And I think our, our listeners will gain a lot of insight um, from listening to this. Hey, and, Thank and you guys I, so much. I know we didn't say it, but I believe this is like you, you just hit 10 years since you, this month. Yeah, this month. Right. Right. That's right. So congrats. Totally huge congrats. So yeah, congrats, congrats on the anniversary. I didn't even put that in two and two in my head. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Dean. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. You as well. Thanks. I absolutely loved his story. That guy is so authentic, super, super 
in love with his product and his business and you can really feel the passion when he talks about it what do you what do you think yeah i liked him a lot it, this was a good episode to record at this time of year i was thinking because of the product itself being hot cocoa but his story was also like a great like holiday season feel good story i just loved the guy like everything he said and how he's building the brand and how it's named after his children and the approach he's taking was just really cool. I think for me, the main takeaway that I took and, and he said it three or four times, I think was just like simplicity of product, you know, do one thing and do it really well, right? Don't get caught in the fads or the, the different trends, just make your product the best possible product. His original goal with his children was to create the best hot cocoa in the world. And they did that and that's what they sell and that's what they're going to continue to sell. And I just find that really refreshing in a world of like product proliferation. It's cool to see someone just focus on killing it in one product and, and focusing on that. Alex, what about you? What did you think your main takeaway was? Well, I was going to say simplicity, but you said that. That's too um, simple if we both say it. If we both say <laughs> it, that'd be too simple. But I, um, I definitely really thought the importance of referrals was a huge mm. takeaway for me and i think d made it pretty clear he's not someone who who loves cold calling selling early on he he kind of mentioned that and you can see a thousand stores is a lot of stores and growing that business to that scale successfully largely by referrals is such a strong testament to his product uh in in the case of this this specific instance but also just to the importance of product for entrepreneurs because when your product is at that level it's a huge asset and really gives your business momentum and yeah as i said like him being so in love with the product and 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 you could hear how he i think he referred to it as 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 kind of like an obsession for him in terms of trying to find that perfect cocoa it pays off and I thought that was uh, another cool takeaway for me. Absolutely. If if you're in the Midwest, make sure to check it out. If you're not, order it on Amazon, get it delivered to your house. A great product, great guy, great story. And you know, from Alex and I, happy holidays to everybody out there. If you haven't already, make sure to like and subscribe, and we will chat soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>